ahead and get into the message this morning is, is called Answering the Call. And a few weeks ago, I, I, I started a sermon, and it was context, the context was generations, and it focused on the need of one generation to pour into the next generation. And some of this mission was to speak in God's truths and encouragements and vision into other people's lives, to, to deposit something into people. But the other part of that mission or that job uh, really was to draw things out of people, to be used as a catalyst in their life for the things that God had already placed in their lives and called them to, but to encourage them and to strengthen them along those lines. Well, today I want to really look at it at the, from the other end. So generations was a, a message where we talked about our, our, the, the blessing that we have to, to pour into the next generation. So this is about uh, the talking about people. When people pour into our lives, how do we respond to that? How, how should we uh, in, engage in that? God has callings on all of our lives. Every person in the room, this, this message applies because you all have callings in your room, in the room, uh, on your lives. We've all thought and said, gosh, well, what is my calling? Is this really it? A- am I true? Did it pass me by? Did I, I miss out? So it's important that we look at this thing in terms of when, when God gives us something directly, like in our prayer lives, Love Life Charlotte started here, and it really started because one of the couples here, the readers, were in their prayer closet and praying, and, and God showed them and gave them a vision of something uh, directly in it. But a lot of times, what we're going to find in our lives is that God is going to use other people to activate things in our lives, to 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 call us to things that we didn't even know that we could do, or maybe we, we would even try. Has anybody ever had that happen in their lives where there was something you didn't even think you could do, and somebody said, I see this in you. I believe that you can do that, and I want to help you out, and you end up doing something that you never thought you could do. Anybody here have that situation? I want to tell you, that is what we're talking about this morning. We're going to see that exact thing happened in the life of just a little uh, farmer kind of guy out there. His name was Elisha, and he had a guy, Elijah, who came and was going to pour into his life. And we're going to take a look at uh, how Elijah did that, and then we're going to look more importantly at Elisha's response. And the hope this morning is that we are going to awaken a generation here this morning that is that will run after their call, that they will grab onto it. And here's what I want to say is that the person on your left and your right, that they can be the launching pad for your ministry. They can be the launching pad for the next situation or, or circumstance that you, that you are to engage in, the next step of, of ministry or a relationship or a circumstance that God wants to use you in. He uses other people in our lives to, to, to gather it and to, to activate it into our lives. Now, this time that we're talking about Elijah and Elisha, it was a time where the, the kings of Israel and Judah had gone totally cray-cray. These guys were off the rails. They were, they were wicked kings. They were engaged in idolatry and a lot of other just, just messy stuff. And they had long been rejecting the, the voice of God and rejecting the prophets of God. In fact, the only people that they wanted were false prophets around them, people that would just tell them what they wanted to hear. And we'll pick this story up in 1 Kings 19, verses 14 through 16. Elijah replied again, to, he's talking to the Lord, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, 
But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me too. And the Lord told him, go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness, wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive there, anoint Haziel to be king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshib. You've got to be careful on some of these. To be king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel-Mehalah to represent you as, to replace you as my prophet. So Elijah had a calling, and he had zealously, he had given everything to that calling, but he finds himself in a very, very tough season. And sometimes you can be totally obedient to God, but find, we, we find ourselves in tough seasons, and we're praying for God for way out. And I want to tell you, I think maybe the, you, you know, in this, it's, it's, a, it's a call of, of, of desperation, it's a distress call to the, to the Lord. And he's saying, hey, that the, the enemy's plan was to wipe the prophetic voice of God off the place of the earth. And, this, and, and the, the enemy had almost succeeded. There was only one person left. It's Elijah standing between this, uh, this, this great work of the enemy to wipe the voice of the Lord off the earth. And it's important that we have the prophetic word, that God would use prophets to come in and he would uh, remind the people of who he was and he would remind the people of who they were and he would remind the people of the great promises and purposes that he had on their life. So this is not an optional thing to have the, the voice of the Lord and the prophetic word of the Lord. This is something that they desperately needed then and it's something that we desperately need now. The prophetic voice of the Lord, the word of the Lord would realign them with God's purposes and it would strengthen them and encourage them and realign them with God's will. And I was trying to picture this. Could you imagine sending up the distress call and hearing God tell you, I want you to go right back uh, to where you came from. I want you to go right back on that path that is, is worn out, that is full of, like, uh, uh, full of tears or, or heartache or whatever it is. And I want to tell you that usually I don't want to hear that. When I get in that spot, what I want God to say is, hey, yeah, I'm going to send you in a, in a new direction. I'm going to give you something fresh. But here God tells him to go right back. And sometimes God will tell you and me the same thing. Like, hey, go, go back down that path. Go back in that relationship. Go back through that circumstance because I still have something to do for you. And then the other thing God says, he asks Elijah to go back to the wilderness. I'm just thinking, I wouldn't want to hear that either. Go back on that stinking path. Go back to that place because there's something awesome that I want to do. Unfortunately, Elijah was able to hold that in his heart. He was zealous for, for God, for the mission that he had him on. He was, he was uh, passionate about hearing God's voice and obeying him. And most of us would agree. Like we, sometimes what I want to hear is I want God to send me back through the lush field. Or I want to have God send me from this mountaintop to that mountaintop to that mountaintop to that mountaintop. But here's what we probably all know, if we're honest, is that the greatest seasons of growth that we can have are the seasons that we spend walking through the valley. The seasons that we are in the desert. And, and the reason is, is typically in those places that we are the most 
dependent and reliant on God, aren't we? But it's not just like, hey, we're going to depend on God, get me through this desert, and then when I get on the other side, I'm going to forget about you. He uses these times, he's trying to build a a lifestyle of dependency in us. So that's why we really have to get it right in in the desert. But wherever God tells us to go, sometimes we can have this thing, this this, uh, idol that we have that we... And, and maybe it could be the, the, the biggest idol, in at least in America, is that we want what we want. We want it the way that we think it should go, the places that we think God should take us. And the other thing that we want is we want it now. And this is probably the great idol that we have. It's the, we worship choice. In fact, we have, we've had a lot of people here, friends from overseas in the U.K., that's yeah, a first world country. We've had people come here from all over the globe, and all of them will say, you know what, we come here, we're just blown away because in our country we have internet, and in our country we have cell phones, in our country we have food, in our country we have clothes, but we don't have just the choices that you guys have. It just boggles the mind. It just blows them away, even from the most prosperous other nations in the earth when they come here and see and that just becomes our idolatry. We, we value choice almost above everything else. But Elijah, he responds well. And I want to tell you that Elijah's response unlocks fruit in the life of Elijah. Uh, the way that Elijah responds, is it serves as the launching pad for somebody else. And this is really the, a picture I want to paint for our whole church. That sitting on the right and the left and before you and behind you, these are all people that are to serve as launching pads for each other. We have to have that as our mission. We have to see people that way. And you never know what encouraging word that you may stop and, and give someone, some act of obedience that you may take that may unlock just an awesome amount of fruit in somebody else's life. And if we engage in that one for the other, I want to tell you that, that, that our mission of changing lives that change the world in this place, it, 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 we're going to see it with our own eyes. 1 Kings 19, to continue, it says, So Elijah went out and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing them, uh, plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah, and said to him, First let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I will go with you. And Elijah replied, Go on back, but think about what I have done to you. So you might be thinking, like, that seems like a pretty weird thing to do. Could you imagine just being at, at work, whatever you're doing, and somebody just comes by and takes their, uh, their windbreaker off or their sweater and just like, what? Throws it on, you'd be like, bro, what's... What's, what's, what's up with you, man? Well, it was a very symbolic thing. It was, it was actually, so, so picture in your mind like uh, how uh, a relay race is run, and one runner will hand the baton off to the other. Well, this jacket, this throwing of the coat is exactly that. So it's, it's, a, it's a, a physical thing that was happening, but it was also very spiritual and very symbolic with what was happening. Elijah was, was pouring into his life. He was transferring something to young Elisha. Now, I don't know what Elisha was expecting to have happen that day, but I seriously doubt he was thinking about the call that God was going to bring on his life from one of the most mightiest people of all time, from Elijah. He's not just sitting on the back porch, on the screen porch, uh, sipping 
I don't know what, mint juleps or iced tea, sweet tea, watching the day, the by and by, kind of going by. This guy is in it. He is in life, just like we all are. He is in up to his elbows in beasts. He's into his, up to his elbows in sod and in dirt. He is engaged in life, just like we all are. In fact, we would all say that we're busy. Does anybody here just not have enough things to do, really? Like we, we, we just constantly, we're busy, and then we get busier, and we finish one season, we're busy going into school, and then we get out, we're busier than we, we've ever been. But we all have an agenda. But the point of it here is that uh, even though he's not responding, he's not expecting it, that when the call comes, Elisha starts running after the call. Immediately, he starts running out there. There's no hesitation in it, and we have to be the same way. We have to be interruptible. In fact, interruptibility is actually a word. I found it in the dictionary. I thought I was making it up. I've been known to do that, right? But it's actually a word, and this is the the great question that we have to ask ourselves. How interruptible are we? Even in the midst of this, think of this guy. He's got 12 team of oxen out there. I mean, the guy is, is working at it, hard at it. And here comes this call, but he drops everything, and he follows uh, Elijah. And a lot of times, we want to desperately connect with our calling. We want to we hear from God and say, what do you want to do with my life? And we have trouble connecting, but the way that we connect is by being interruptible. That's one of the first things we'll see. So Elijah ran after his calling, and I'm asking you right this morning, how can you run after the calling that you have in your life? What would it look like? What are the next steps that you would take? And the first key to answering the call, really, is to respond and respond right now. Respond right now. In fact, the longer you contemplate it and think about it uh, and ponder the the thing, I want to tell you, the less likely that you're actually going to embrace the call of God on your life. I can almost guarantee you by the time we're finished this morning, there are going to be at least one or more situations or things come to mind where you can say, yeah, God was trying to move me. God was trying to get me to do something. And, you know, maybe it's just kind of passed me by. But I want to tell you that that's just a, a... you know, I mean, maybe we missed it then, but we don't have to miss it today. For some of you, if you think, well, I had the opportunity, I had something of God right in my hands and it slipped through my fingers, I want to tell you today is the day that we can pick it back up. It doesn't mean that things are over forever and this morning can be the morning that, okay, I didn't run after it then, but I'm saying that today I'm going to run after it. And I want a whole church family this morning that is going to run after the call of God. Verse 21, so Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. Kind of a weird response, huh? He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople, and they all ate. Then he went with Elijah as his assistant. So we can see that, notice that Elisha does two things. The first thing he does is that he kills the oxen. And the second thing that he does is that he burns the plow. And the cool thing is as soon as Elisha starts taking action, as soon as he takes the first step in his calling and he makes it public to everybody around, that everybody around him gets blessed. 
It says here that he cooked up the meat and everyone, uh, they all ate. So this is the, the, the cool thing about going after our blessing. It doesn't have to be when we finally hit the pinnacle of starting uh, of, of our call, but it can happen even the first baby step that we take that immediately people around us can be blessed. So that's the second key is to respond uh, now, but also to respond in public. Tell someone about it. Tell, in fact, I'm saying this, when you hear from the Lord and, 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 and something gets activated in you, I want to tell you to tell everybody that you possibly can, everybody that you meet, you don't know this about me, but this is what I heard, every phone conversation, and put it out there on the earth. It has to happen. That journaling is the first step. That's great. But the next thing to do, the very next person you talk to, tell someone, this is what I feel God wants to have. I can't tell you how many times I thought something was lame. I thought uh, something, I, I wasn't qualified for it. And I want to tell you that I just thought, you know, I'm going to take a stab at it. What the heck? I'm going to share it with somebody. And all of a sudden they agreed. In fact, they said, yeah, we've been wanting to talk to you about that a long time. We've seen that on your life forever. And it's the same thing with you. I can't tell you. We see, uh, Julie and I, we see so much calling on your lives. We see so much ministry. We see so much uh, impact that could be had here in the community. And it's really our great joy and blessing of all the things that we do to see it come to fruition, just like uh, Amanda, just like the, the Hales a couple of weeks ago, just like uh, Ann and Caterpillar Ministries. So here's another thing that we need to look at, though. When Elijah granted Elisha the permission to say goodbye to his mom and dad, to his family, he knew that in that process, in this kind of little pause that he had, he knew Elisha had two ways that he could re respond, that Elisha had two ways that he could respond to this calling. In one hand, he could use his imagination and he could exercise his faith. He could he could be thinking about how he was going to li li uh, live it out, the, the next steps that he, we, he can take. And we can see that, that uh, Elisha, I think that was a pretty weird thing, actually, to like, I would have probably cut up the oxen and burnt the plow and fed everybody on it. I might have just, I don't know, said goodbye or had a prayer meeting or something. So this is weird. But he uses his imagination to exercise his faith. But the other thing that we can do, and sometimes you and I, that when we get this call from the Lord and we have this kind of lull time, is that we can use our imagination to exercise fear. In fact, we can begin then to use that time instead of thinking forward and what God has for us and our calling, which is what Elijah, Elijah told him to do, right? He said, hey, remember what I've done to you. Keep it in mind. Don't forget about it as you go here. He knew that there was a risk that Elijah might not, that he could go and start exercising, using his faith, his imagination to exercise faith or fear, and he could actually be starting to use and, and uh, manufacture these back doors, right, these ways out, these escape routes, so to speak, the plan B's and the plan C's and the plan D's. Some of us are experts at it, let's face it, we got like five or ten ways out of situations. But not Elijah, he burns the whole thing and this is what we want to do. We want to follow God fully in the calling. And this, I, I think Elisha knew that if he didn't kill those cows, if he didn't burn that ox, if he didn't burn the plows, that in some way he would be stumbled and he would think about looking back and going back to the things before he got called. 
That is the great danger. So he, he knows this about himself, and he takes those little actions, right? He actually hasn't even done a miracle yet, but he is already walking out his call. Burning the plows is a picture of total surrender to the plans that God had on his life. And the question that we have to ask ourselves is, what do we need to get rid of in our lives so that we can be freed up to fully follow the plans and the purposes God has for each one of us. The third key to answering the call is uh, to respond completely. Do we respond now? We respond publicly. We respond completely. And we all have to kind of monitor, our, monitor ourselves into thinking, like, am I, like, working these things out so that I've got, am I planning escape routes or am I planning the way forward? And, and this is a great thing for us to do to keep in mind. And we should just like Elijah's telling us today, hey, remember what I told you. Remember the, the, the time that God spoke to you. Remember the time that somebody encouraged you to get involved in some ministry at the church. Remember that. Keep that in mind and, and move forward in it. And use your imagination to create the steps forward in it. Now, here's the great glory of, of this is responding Right now, in responding publicly and responding completely, we see it in 2 Kings 2 9. And it says, When they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I can do for you before I am taken away. And Elisha replied, Please let me inherit a double share, or some of your translations might have portion, a double share of your spirit and become. Your successor, the double portion. It was reserved for the oldest son in the family. It was the greatest uh, position of, of favor and blessing that there was. And in the Old Testament, we see it a lot, this double portion. And it's, and it's funny because the double portion actually means literally in the Hebrew, two mouths full. A double mouthful. And a lot of times when we get the call in life, we'll see what Elisha did, is that you just bite off everything that you can possibly bite off, and then you just chew like crazy, and then you'll end up walking in the calling and the great miracles that God has for you. He's asking for it. He says, Elijah, whatever you have been imparting into the lives of other people, whatever that impartation is, whatever that spiritual inheritance is, I want the biggest share. And we can see that maybe it sounds conceited. I just can't even imagine a young man that's out in the field. Think of it. He's like swatting flies off of 12 teams of oxen out there, just a regular old farm kid. And all of a sudden, one of the greatest men of prophets in all of history comes and says, you the man. I would be blown away, completely humbled. And then he has the nerve to say, I want more than you've given anybody else. I want to do things, uh, double the things that you have done. And if we look through Scripture, we can see that of all the miracles that, that God performed through the prophet Elijah, probably you can record it about 14, that there was about 28 of them that God did through the prophet of Elisha. And this is the, the fourth thing, really, I want to tell you is, is to be Bold. That's the way that we, that we reach our calling and move in it. That's the way we connect with it. So I'm saying that if Elisha can ask Elijah for a double portion, that whatever the call of God has on your life, that you have the right and the ability to ask for it all, to ask for the double portion, to do more than you've ever done, to do more than you think that you can do, to call in the, the resources that are way out of your control. 
bite off more than you can chew and chew like crazy. He was asking for the more. And Elisha continued the mission of God with more force and more passion and power than, than anyone else. He embraced his calling, and this is what we're, I'm asking you this morning to consider in the great work of, I think, of the Spirit here this morning, is that, that there would be, uh, that this morning would be a catalyst for you and for me to walk in our callings. The last thing I want to close with this is, I think we, uh, being that we're Christians, we should probably look at this situation, this, the way to respond to calling the same through the Jesus lens. Does that make sense? We're Christians, so we, we believe what Jesus says, and we follow uh, his teachings. And in John 15, 16, Jesus says this. He says, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I, I, I've given you the baton. I've placed it in your, your hands. I've taken the cloak, and I've thrown it over on you. I appointed you. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. Now, this is some good kind of fruit right here. How, there's nothing more disappointing than going out. You guys have a little nectarine. You just can hardly wait to get to it, and it just didn't last as long as you needed it to last. Or, God forbid, an avocado that goes bad. There's nothing that just shatters my, my day. No! But this, he says, this is going to be lasting fruit. So he's talking about the length of it, but it's because of the impact of it and what's behind it. And what's behind it is the kingdom of God. He says, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. So this is the important thing, that, that when, when Jesus chooses us, when we have this calling that comes for it, that we can, uh, he's saying, I'm going to call you, but then I, you can call out boldness. You can call forward different things. Boldly, whatever you want. And this is the thing that we have to meet. Like whatever you need in this ministry as we, as we call, we're going to have the worship team come up. And, and whatever we do in this, I, I want to tell you that, that you can ask for anything to fulfill your calling. Now, I'm not saying you can ask for anything. This is in terms of the context that Jesus has put this in, is in this, this fruit, this mission that he has and calling for your life. He's not saying, hey, whatever you want, just call on my name. And if you need three Cadillacs instead of two, I'm going to plop one down for you. He is clearly talking. The context here is the call that we have on our life. And when you go after your call, he is saying to go after it boldly and ask for anything that you need to fulfill this call, and your heavenly Father is going to supply that need for you. You guys excited about that? I think that's pretty cool. I kind of see myself as Elisha in front of Elijah, and it's just like, who is this, this great, awesome <laughs> call that I have? I'm inadequate. I messed up. Somebody told me once that I might not amount to anything. Or that I just needed to be a number two. I just needed to do these types of things. And I want to tell you that this morning is about awakening, calling in our, in our lives.